Welcome, welcome. You are now tuned in to Session Conversation, the Vegas Scoop episode 7. We'll be covering all the upcoming games for week 11. Skin sponsored by Rindle, uh, Rindle Powerboats Experience out in here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Fellas, uh, how was y'all week, man? Feeling good? Just got done hooping and shit, man. Let's, let's get into this weekend, man. Um, three and two for me, so two games under 500. Eh, never say never. I had a rough week. I was two, two, and one on the week. The worst uh, week I've had of the uh, NFL contest through 10, uh, 10 weeks. I had two losers in Tampa Bay minus three, the Rams minus nine and a half. I had a tie with Indianapolis minus three. I had a winner with the Chargers minus nine and a half. I had New Orleans minus five and a half to go two, two, and one for the week. Overall, I moved to 31, 15, and four. Tied for 34th with uh, 33 points for the season. The leaders at 38 and a half points. Second place, 38 points. And third place is 35 points. I'm two points back of there. I need to make a move. Fellas, what, uh, what was our best bets of the week last week? I'm, I'm on a roll here, man. I had a good pick with Tennessee and Buffalo and shit, man. It was like feeling good, feeling great with the best bets. What I like Tampa. That wasn't did? very good for me. Okay. Yeah, mine was uh, the Giants, and then I Twitter I changed it to Green Bay, um, so both came in. Yeah, the Giants, uh, Giants uh, came through in the clutch. Yeah, Eli Manning, that's what he does. Thirty-six game-winning drives. A lot of people seem happy for him. Uh, Sterling Shepard, that's his name. His wide receiver was seemed pretty happy for Eli. Yeah, big time catch from Sterling there uh, at the end of the game. Um, all right, man. We'll shoot. Let's move into the slate. Uh, let's tackle Green Bay. Uh, at Seattle, Seattle's giving up two and a half here. Thursday night football, NFC title rematch. Packers are now 4-4-1, on 0-4 on the road. Uh, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks are now 4-5. How we feel about this one? I'll take this one to begin with. <clears throat> I like Green Bay in this game. Um, I took three early in the week when it opened. Um, I think Green Bay's defense has really improved against the run. That's the strength of Seattle in this game. This is a Thursday night game, and if you listen to last week, the home teams are tearing it up. Pittsburgh uh, destroyed the Carolina last week. So if you're a, a backer of Green Bay, which uh, I am so far, that's a concern. I'm not sold on the Seattle team. Uh, you know, they, they looked fantastic on offense against the Rams, but I am starting to dig into the Rams' defense a little bit more, and I'm finding a lot of issues with them. So I'm not that... Uh, enthusiastic about Seattle's offense uh, moving into this game. Green Bay has been showing that they're, uh, they're on the rise. Um, you know, Rodgers is uh, settling in, and Aaron Jones is starting to turn himself into a, a, a number one running back in this league. Uh, Jimmy Graham's been blocking. He's been um, um, showing the, the team effort in that regard. And like I mentioned, the, the defense has been stepping it up for Green Bay. I think the points are... Uh, the way to go in this game, I like Green Bay. Yeah, to me, I think this is a truth-revealing spot for both teams. Uh, you know, 4-4-1 four, four, and one versus 4-5. and five. We're going to find out a lot about the trajectory for both these teams here on Thursday. With it being a short week, obviously, um, home field, it's even more important. Green Bay is super banged up. We're going to see uh, Cobb, King, Bruce, Bryce, and Perry all did not make the trip with the team. So they might, you know, we'll find out after tomorrow – Wednesday's practice, if they're going to play or not, Perry would be a you know pretty big loss to the defense, but more importantly, Bryce and King to that secondary. They've been a different defense since Alexander's return, but overall, um, you know this Green Bay team, I don't put too much credence in the win last week. Miami was depleted. I, th- I thought it was just you know a game where you know rarely in the NFL does a running back average 11 yards a carry, and that's what Aaron Jones did, and it wasn't by accident. But with this being an NFC title rematch. This game means a lot to Rodgers. You know, he had a Super Bowl appearance ripped away from him in a game where an onside kick bounced off uh, one of his guys' helmets. I think he's going to be at his best on Thursday night. Seattle, you know, this is a team that offensively has some issues. They're running the ball a little bit more than usual. And I think that, you know, for Seattle to be at their best, they need to put the ball in Russell's hands a little bit more. Seattle 4-1 and one against the spread their last five, Green Bay 2-3. and three. I do expect the public to be on Seattle in this game. 
I like Green Bay as well. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a high-scoring game where Green Bay gets out to a nice start and Seattle's playing catch-up and uh, something along the lines of like 31-24 Green Bay. Yeah, I just look at it. You know, there's no there's no team in pro football that relies on a player more than Russell Wilson for Seattle. And, you know, he's he's proven that uh, he can stay I healthy. I would disagree with that. I mean, they're, they've been a running team this season. They're, they're playing at a slow pace and kind of – pounding teams with the running you know with uh Schottenheimer's offense here you know I think they're at their best when they let Russell do what he does but they really haven't this season I mean in fantasy Russell's been a disappointment well I mean yeah that's you know that's fine but you know I I look at the identity of Seattle and I still struggle with it I mean you say they want to be a running team that's fine you know they don't have the weapons to go downfield so you know I I just like Green Bay in this game that's that's what I'm leaning a little sneaky angle, Jimmy Graham uh, revenge game coming back to Seattle. So, you know, I don't not quite how he'll respond. Not a not a big fan of his uh, psyche, but you know, it, it is something to keep an eye on. All right, moving along. Let's go ahead and tackle Dallas going to Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's three point favorite here. Dallas four and five, uh, one win on the road. Uh, Atlanta's looking like they are now four and five overall. Uh, so, how we feel about this one? Yeah, with Dallas, this is a team that uh, is feeling pretty good. You know, they gave up a lot to get Cooper, and long term, I think, you know, they're not a real championship contender, so it's a bad trade for the long term, but there's no question they make it makes them a much more difficult offense to defend. Now Beasley can play in the slot. Cooper's, you know, getting 9, 10 targets a game. He's getting separation, um, and he's finally getting an opportunity to do what he's done his whole life, which is get open and make catches. Now, this is a momentum carryover spot for Dallas. High energy spot. Um, this is a game where they're going to get to show the world what could have happened um, a couple of seasons ago in the playoffs when they, when Rodgers and, and Crosby did them in at the end there. If Dallas would have held on against Green Bay in that game, they would have went to uh, Atlanta for the NFC Championship. And it was a matchup that I thought was good for them. Dallas is a run-first offense, and Atlanta struggles to stop the run a little bit. Now, we saw Sunday night, this rookie Leighton Vander Esch is, you know, making the Sean Lee absence not quite what it was in years past. The splits with him off the field last season were drastic. Everyone fell in love with talking about it in the media. And now, you know, we're seeing what happens when you draft someone in the first round that's a future superstar. And, you know, with Atlanta, they are a different offense at home. Matt Ryan averaging three point an extra three yards per attempt passing at home. Um, good matchup for Julio Jones. Really no one on Dallas that can stop him. This is a game that I expect to be a low-key shootout. Dallas's offense is going to you know, be able to move the ball. They're playing with confidence, feeling good after the huge win against uh, Philadelphia. And this is a game to me where you got two teams that are four and five but are going in different directions. Atlanta, I don't think they really believe. You know, Last week they were exposed against Cleveland. Uh, I thought they would be, but you know, for as far as hope is concerned, this game's a mismatch, and I think the uh, Cowboys take care of business. I look at this game from a standpoint from offense. There's no question Atlanta has a better offense. They uh, at home, as you mentioned, they're they're lethal at home, um, but their defense is going back and reverting back to what it was early in the season. They were shredded by Baker Mayfield last week. I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't put that on the card. I really did like Cleveland because Atlanta's defense is top three worst in pro football again. They cannot overcome this problem. The offense can generate offense or points, move the ball, but they cannot continue to take care of the defense. And the defense in this game is going to make Dallas look like an above-average offense in this game. And Dallas on the road has been lousy. You know, I'm not going to play this game at all. I see it from different angles, but I'm staying off of it. Yeah, no, I think both offenses' strength is the defense's weakness, kind of similar to what I was talking about with Pittsburgh and uh, Carolina. Um, you know, Dallas is struggling against the pass. Atlanta's struggling against the rush. And uh, I think because of that, we're going to see some points. Now, I think a little sneaky underrated part of this game is the Cowboys are finally starting to utilize Zeke Elliott in the passing game, and that's something against Atlanta that's a they big should. deal. They should. He's their best player. I mean, you get the ball in Zeke's hands, good things happen. And Atlanta, over the last four seasons, given up the most receptions to running backs four straight years. And this year it's even worse than normal without Deion Jones in the lineup. And if you get the ball in Zeke's hands with some, some receptions, you get Cooper going. Um, you know, Dak Prescott, he's a guy with high ceiling, low floor. And, you know, we saw Sunday night playing against a Philly depleted secondary that we'll touch on here he in a little bit. played a good football game. He's, he's coming in with some confidence. And, you know, Matt Ryan, on the other hand, 
I don't think he's feeling as good. You know, this Atlanta team, they've been through a lot. I was, you know, I was on their under win total for the season for a reason. I mean, when you have two chances, two chances to win a Super Bowl and you come up short, at a certain point mentally it kind of breaks you. And I think this is another breaking point for Atlanta. Yeah, I think they missed the uh, Freeman. I mean, the last, you know, that's that was, you know, some balance that he was bringing to the team. And I, I just don't see them running the ball enough in this game. I'm not going to be honest. So you do like Dallas. Yeah, they're flirting for, with my card. Okay. Moving along, let's go ahead and tackle Carolina at Detroit. Um, Carolina four-point favorite, six and three, headed to Detroit to uh, face two and six Lions. How we feel about this one? Two wins for Detroit, huh? <clears throat> three and six. Three and six. Three and six. Three and six. It doesn't matter what it was. I thought this was going to be a good football team. It's not. Their offensive line can't block anybody. Carolina's, uh, you know, they have troubles in the secondary, so that's going to be the concern again in this game. But from a standpoint of a, a team together, I think Carolina will be able to shrug off that, that uh, you know, embarrassment of an egg that they laid on Thursday night against Pittsburgh, and I think they roll in this game. Uh, you know, Detroit, you know, Marvin Jones is now dinged up. I believe it's a, a, a knee contusion or injury or something that he's, he's not at 100%. They need him at 100%. They gave away Golden Tate. You know, Galladay's getting, you know, rolled over the top, so he's not getting all the stuff down the field that he was early in the season and certainly last year. And Carolina, you know, offensively has been moving the ball. I mean, like I said, you know, they, they play terrible against Pittsburgh. The line's four on this game. I think it should be closer to six. You know, I, I, I don't think Detroit is, is any good on defense. You know, I mean, Kerryon Johnson is a good player. Matthew Stafford, again, he looks like he's, you know, clouded in his head. I don't know what's going on. I like Carolina in this spot. I like Carolina in this game. Yeah, this is a game where um, don't expect too many sharp guys to be coming in on Detroit. And because of that, I think the public's going to just keep raising this line. I think it eventually closes closer to six. When you look at Carolina, this is a team that is in an interesting spot. But I think at this point in the season, something that gets a little under-discussed is like, what division do you play in? Like, who are you chasing? And Carolina's chasing the New Orleans Saints, a team that just keeps rattling off wins. So they're not really in a situation to come out and, and be a little, you know, flat and lackadaisical. They're going to Detroit to play a team that can't stop the run, can't stop the pass. They just have a lot of holes on defense. Um this Carolina team, last year, Curtis Samuel tore his ACL, I think it was in week 9 or 10. Then they go out and they draft uh, DJ Moore in the first round, and you had two playmaking weapons to an offense with McCaffrey in year two, Olsen at tight end, and all of a sudden Cam Newton has the best weaponry he's had in his entire career. And his offensive line. Offensive, Outside of the Pittsburgh Offensive game. line's playing well. Carolina Very well. Carolina 3-1 and one against the spread their last four. Detroit 0-3 after starting 5-3. and three. Um, they did rattle off, uh, I think it was five straight covers before this, uh, you know, little skid. You know, when you when you look at this now, it makes our Detroit play on Seattle look even worse. Now, agreed. When you look, when at the end of the day, this game is you know, one team that has weapons, and you know, Detroit without Golden Tate, Marvin Jones banged up. So this is a game where, for fantasy purposes, Galladay might see 15 targets, especially if they're playing from behind. Um, you know, Carolina's a dead nut over team this year. They're bottom five against the pass. They can score. So if Carolina comes out and, you know, scores some points and you put Stafford in catch up mode against a really bad secondary, this game could get to 65. All right. <clears throat> Moving on, Tennessee. Um, five and four coming off another win. <clears throat> Excuse me, coming off another win against the Pats. Indy coming off three wins, who are now four and five. Titans getting two. How are we feeling about this one? Yeah, this is a game that, uh, from a, from a allocation standpoint, field standpoint, uh, right near the top for me this week. Tennessee, I think we see a team that's a little flat early, coming off of a statement win, two big wins in a row for them. I think this is a game where we we get a quarterback um, truth revealing situation for both teams. Um, I think Mariota is still limited as a passer. He is in an ideal spot here. Colts are bottom four against the pass. They had, a, you know, some issues in the secondary all season long, and, and lately, because of who they faced, um, Oakland, Buffalo, you know, some of these offenses that couldn't Jacksonville, they couldn't really expose this this Colts secondary. I think it's going to put the Colts in a situation where, you know. You know, luck comes out and just does what he's been doing since, you know, for the first time in his career, he's got a 
top five offensive line. I mean, it's one of the biggest surprises of the season. Quentin Nelson's playing like a bona fide superstar. Uh, a just franchise-changing draft pick uh, guard out of Notre Dame. And with, you know, T.Y. Hilton back and healthy. And, you know, we saw New England about four or five years ago when they had Aaron Hernandez and Gronk and how lethal a two-tight end combination can be. And with Ebron and Doyle, we're seeing it again. So with Hilton... Um, you know, he's just too quick for Malcolm Butler. That's one of his weaknesses. I think this Colts offense could flirt with 40 in this spot. And with a Colts secondary that's not very good and Tennessee playing catch-up, um, you know, this game I think, you know, totals at 48 now. I already sent out the over to my people. Um, I think this this total closes over 50, and, and I think the game is uh, played in the, in the mid-30s for both teams. I think the Colts hang on late, but – you know, we what we find out is that for the next five to ten years, um, this division's Andrew Lux. It's not Marcus Mariota's. I've been very disrespectful to Tennessee all year, and I would like to apologize for that. That being said, I love Indianapolis in this game as well. Indianapolis is putting up points left and right. They should have torched Jacksonville in that game. They let them hang around. They had a, a real screwy play that was perfect on the sidelines, went off of his shoulder up in the air. They should have won that game by 17. Tennessee in this game, they played outstanding the last two weeks against Dallas, and they played excellent at home against New England. That being said, New England's laid three eggs on the road this year, so I'm not going to overly pat them on the back for that. But the Colts continue to put up points. Their offensive line is playing the best they ever have for Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck has been hit at a pace before this year that nobody's ever been hit at. And he's staying upright. I mean, he hasn't been sacked in a hundred and something. Yeah, no, I'm not sure what it was last week, but it was 160 straight dropbacks before last week. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Before that, I think it was in the high 20s or 30s or something like that. So the offensive line is, is playing outstanding. I don't know if you mentioned Marlon Mack. He's still running, you know, and, and giving them a, a lot of balance on that side of the ball as well. I don't think the Colts have the best defense, you know, in the league. But in this game, I think that they'll be able to hold serve a little bit if they can get off the field on third down. I think the Colts can get up big in this game. I think the line's two. I think it should be three for sure. I'm definitely on Indianapolis here. Yeah, this line opened three. Sharp guys played Tennessee. It's just a little bit of a line manipulation to get the, the key number of two for the limits to get raised. I think this line has a chance to eventually close three and a half. Tennessee, six and two. I don't think two. it'll go up that high. Yeah, I think it closes three, but Maybe. three three minus 120. Um Maybe. Tennessee 6-2 and two against us. This is a classic pros versus Joe's game. I was in uh, line the other day at the casino betting uh, Indy, and a uh, guy next to me, uh, you know, watching me, plays Tennessee. And, you know, I think a game where, you know, the public's going to remember what they saw last week. Tennessee take care of business against New England, who all the, all the public was on. And now they're going to, you know, do the old zig and zag and be wrong consistently like the public normally does. So, um you know, Colts are going to score some yeah, points. Yeah, I'm not disrespecting Tennessee here at all. I, like I said, I, I'm coming around on this team a little bit. They, they're, they've been playing with energy. They're on the same page. I yeah, don't think they have a ton of talent. Huge division game. You know, it with, is a big with, with, game. with Houston only sitting at six and three, all of a sudden, uh, you know, Indy gets right back in this thing after starting one and five. This would be four in a row. Yeah, I just think the Colts' offense is the difference here. I'm laying the two points. It will be on my card. Concur. All right, moving on. Giants now two and seven, yet to win a game at home, hosting the Bucks, who are now three and six, with uh, one 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 win uh, on the road. Um, Giants laying one and a half here. I'll take this one. All right. <clears throat> I uh, I gave out Tampa Bay minus uh, three last week as my number one pick of the the week, so I want to apologize to that, and I want to apologize to myself. I actually bet Dirk Cutter plus five fifty to be the first uh, coach to be canned you know, after the Cleveland one, and I'm still shaking my head on why I'm not cashing that ticket. Tampa Bay, I have no idea what you still have Dirk Cutter over there. It makes absolutely no sense to me at all. He has screwed this team up from top to bottom. You, you, know, you know what's funny about him? So Todd Munkin was calling plays the first nine games of the season. You yeah, know, he wanted one, to take over one, last week. One of the secrets of the entire season is Todd Munkin's great play calling, right? You know what Cutter does after after this offense is top five all season? He takes over play calling last week and then in postgame admits to it after they score three points. And he sets an NFL record.
for a team that sets over 500 yards of offense to put up three points. That's outstanding, Tampa Bay. I mean, you you know, you think that I'm I'm gonna even cons- that that kicker should not have a job. The, the, well, no, he's he's already been canned. That was horrific. Well, I mean, so was you know Fitzpatrick's running for a first down. He has it. He tries to run backwards. He turns yeah. it over down in the red zone. There's no coach that has screwed up the quarterbacking tree in Tampa Bay more than this guy. I don't understand it at all. I think he's lost the locker room. The New York Giants are coming off of a, a you know a, a win th- you know Monday night. You know they were in that game. They played hard the entire time. They've had a bad season, of course. We know this, but they're going back home, and the Giants fans are going to be behind them 100 percent in this game. I trust the Giants moving the ball in this game. Tampa Bay's defense is terrible against the pass. Well, guess who's going to throw the ball in this game? The Giants at home. Tampa Bay has proven they cannot run the ball consistently. I mean, Jacquez Rogers came in the game as a running back. He had over 100 yards in the air. He had zero yards on the ground. They can't run the ball in this game. I'm taking the Giants. I'm laying the one and a half points. Expect this to be on my card as well. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Tampa Bay's in a depleted up north um, hopeless spot. You know, after the 2-0 start, you know, everyone was loving Tampa Bay. You got James coming back. There was a lot of hope for this season for Tampa Bay. And, you know, it's 2018. It's a passing league, and you got the worst pass defense in the last 20 years. It, Terrible. It, it seems like, you Terrible know, pass can't defense. defend the tight end, can't defend the slot, definitely can't defend Odell Beckham. So between Ingram, Shepard, and Odell, um, this is a field day. Uh, Tampa Bay also, uh, you know, they put up 500 yards of offense, it, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans had, what, 20 yards? You know, I, I mean, what, and, what? And, and don't get me wrong, I think Tampa Bay will be able to score some points playing some catch-up here, but, you know, this is a huge momentum carryover spot. Odell's already talking about rattling off seven in a row, making the playoffs. He's a different person. Um, it's, he's know, not making it by yeah, himself No, he, he he's came across real well the other night. Um, you know, Giants are back home looking healthy. to get their first They're home win. And, and I like what you said about the fan base because – this fan base, after watching them in prime time deliver, um, you know, listening to Odell, I think there's a lot of positive vibes with this this locker room and They're this not fan base. Fans. Not at all. So I think the Giants are going to be, you know, the more energetic team. I think they're in a good spot offensively, and uh, you know, I think this game has a chance to have. 60-plus points, and I'm on the Giants with you. Yeah, I think mentally they're going to stay checked in for 60 minutes. Sometimes you just have to look at a team, you know, are they on the same page? And I think in this game the Giants are, and Dirk Cutter, I expect him to be cut loose very shortly. All right, next we got a matchup between two six and 6-3 teams and the Texans at Redskins. Washington gets three here. How we feel? Well, I laid this game uh, last week. Um, I, I took uh, the Texans at pick in a – Future week ahead, uh, look at this game. I also laid two on this game when it opened um, on Sunday for uh, this up-and-coming Sunday's games. That being said, uh, you know, Washington gave up 500 yards of offense. We just mentioned with Tampa Bay last week, and they have a good defense. Their offensive line is still murdered. They still have major issues on injuries at, at multiple positions on that, that offensive side of the ball with Thompson. Um, Crowder is still, you know, not not going. We, we mentioned uh, – uh, Reed has been nowhere to be found in that offense, and I, I just don't trust Washington's offense. Houston's coming off of a buy in this game. You know, I, I was, you know, I, I do have to give credit to Bill O'Brien. I was calling for him early in the season, but he's turned this team around. Yes, they do play in a division that's shaky, so they do get a couple of, uh, you know, easy wins along those lines in those types of games, but. You know they're playing they're playing solid. You know, and they they brought in you know Demarius Thomas. We we mentioned we didn't think it was a perfect fit, but uh, offensively they're playing they're playing good enough. And the, you know Deshaun Watson has been dinged up, you know, with the chest and those types of things that he's had to you know heal up. And I think he has. And I I trust Houston to be able to go on the road in this game. They're still trying to hold on to this division and play well. And I think that you can trust him in this spot. I would lay Houston less than a field goal. Who's the easy win in the AFC South? In the AFC South? Yeah. Is Jacksonville playing that division? They are. I okay, mean, have you seen their defense? Right. They're that, very that, bad. That's the right answer, but, like, you know, it is a competitive division. Oh, it is. A, it, no, but I'm saying Jacksonville, you know. Yeah, no, Jacks is the right answer, but, yeah. Absolutely. Jacksonville is a terrible football it's the worst, team. It's the worst team in that division. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, 
it's they're not easy wins. I mean, but you know, they've been playing, you know, I like Houston in this spot. I don't trust Washington with that offensive line anymore. I said I'm betting against them the rest of the year, and I'm gonna continue to do that. I lost last week, but I'll try it again this week. A hundred percent fade Washington until further notice. They're four and one against the spread, their last five. Houston rattled off six in a row before the bye week after a rough start. Um you know, Houston with Tennessee and Indy on their tail. With the defensive line getting yeah, off no. their, after this offensive line with all these problems? I'm on Houston with you for yeah. probably the biggest bet I made all season out of pick them. Um, this is a playoff push spot for Houston. Deshaun Watson, you know, we didn't get to see him in the postseason last year. He got hurt. And, you know, from what I saw in college, he is one of the top five just gamers when it comes to just competitive drive in, in these big stage spots. You know, what he did at Alabama, first Alabama in that national championship, you know, watching Deshaun Watson play playoff football in the NFL is something I look very forward to. And this is the type of game that you win to make the playoffs, and that's what I expect Houston to do. If Washington's defense played good enough to keep this right at about three, wouldn't be shocked. Um, still like Houston at the number, like them a lot better to pick them. Um, because I locked in pick them, I'm really only giving out money line on this game because – I just don't see Watson let, letting letting his team lose, but you know, with you know some injuries in, in the Houston secondary and Washington being at home where they play a lot better, wouldn't be shocked if this was a 21-20, 23-20 type of game. But at the end of the day, you know, pressure on the line, fourth quarter type game. Deshaun Watson versus Alex Smith is a mismatch. Um, now, the Will Fuller injury, you know. Marius Thomas, a little bit more time to learn the playbook, get more acclimated to the offense. But I just don't like this Houston team nearly as much without Fuller. And I'm not a big Demarius guy. Um, but, you know, with the bye week, I think, you know, we could see a little bit more from Demarius at the end of the day. No, there's really no corner in the NFL that can guard DeAndre Hopkins one-on-one. So as long as you have Watson and, and Hopkins doing what they do uh, – They'll, they'll do enough to win this football game. Yeah, Washington, you know, like I said, on the offensive line, they're decimated, and they don't have playmakers right oh, now. Oh, and, and actually the most important variable to the handicap is this. Houston is the number one rush defense in the NFL. Washington can only move the ball on the ground. They have a 35-year-old running back. How old is AP now? 33, 34, something like that. These old running backs, we've seen it now. They fade in the second half of the season. It's very, very taxing to run the ball in the NFL. So with Peterson not quite with the same burst as we saw early in the season, um, going against defense where you don't really have the weapons to throw the ball, um, I don't really see how Washington moves the ball much in this spot. From a fantasy perspective, DraftKings, FanDuel, um, Houston defense is one of my plays this week. And... Uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting spot to see a fired-up clowny Watt Merciless coming out of the bye to uh, make life difficult on Alex Smith. Now like Houston. All right, moving on. Let's um, let's tackle uh, Pittsburgh at Jacksonville. Steelers are now six two and one. Uh, Jacksonville is now three and six. Pitt's a uh, six-point favorite here. Yeah, this is a game where uh, you know one of my. Things I look at is the buy low, sell high situation, and you know Pittsburgh five and zero against the spread their last five. Uh, Jacksonville zero four and one against the spread their last five. But you know I'm at a point now where it's not the end all be all, and at the end of the day, um, psychology is probably the most important variable in sports, and this is a huge, huge advantage for Pittsburgh. Um, two big losses to Jacksonville last year at home, including the the playoff loss. This Pittsburgh team with extra rest coming off of the uh, Thursday night football shellacking of Carolina, they're going to come out and they're going to want to expose this Pitt Jacksonville defense that just isn't what they were advertised to be. Hopefully A.J. Boye is out again. Um, that would be important for the handicap. Would actually be surprised if he was out because he wasn't that hurt last week. But even with him playing, this Pittsburgh offense just has too much firepower. Jacksonville can't defend the tight end. Vance McDonald is one of the the sneaky, talented tight ends in this league. Um, Between him and Juju and and A.B., who can really score, you know, last year in a playoff game, lit Ramsey up for, I think, a buck 50 and two touchdowns. You know, it's tough to stop this Pittsburgh offense that can really do it all. And, you know, Jacksonville, they had their left tackle Cam Robinson go out early in the season, and now their center, Brandon Linder, one of the best in football, he's out for the season. You put you know, a depleted offensive line with the worst quarterback in the NFL, and the, and the result is not good. Um, Pittsburgh sends a message 
beats this team down, and uh, Jalen Ramsey most likely says something really stupid afterwards. Yeah, Jacksonville in this game is going to need Leonard Fournette to be at his absolute best. And like you mentioned before, they're missing their center for Jacksonville. Yeah, you think you think this uh, this Pittsburgh defense is going to be a little fired up after what Fournette did to him in the playoff game? Well, I think Pittsburgh's defense has been playing good. Playing think, great. Yeah, I think they've been playing good. Their offensive line is one of the best in the game. The transformation from Pittsburgh's defense from week four on is the biggest transformation in the NFL. Oh, well, there's no question. I mean, they, you know, they, Joe Hayden's playing at a great level. You know, I mean, you know, he's playing all pro right now. And the offense for Pittsburgh is is clicking. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier a couple of weeks ago and continue to mention it. This Jacksonville defense is not the defense it was in the past. It's it's lousy, to be quite honest with you. I mean, they have one or two very good players, Kalios Campbell. You mentioned Jalen Ramsey, two really good players. Other than that, they've lost pieces. You know, they're not, you know, offensively, they have a bunch of, you know, wannabes out there running around. You know, I mean, if the line wasn't, if the line was closer to three and a half, four, I'd be all over it. That's what it opened. This line is steamrolled up to six. This is a road game for the Steelers at Jacksonville. You'd never be able to get this early in the season. But like you mentioned before, it may not be enough. I don't trust Jacksonville enough. I probably won't play this game at all. This is a game where let's find an adjusted line like Pittsburgh minus 13.5 plus like 400. You know, this is a game to do something like that. No, I can understand that. You know, I, like I mentioned before, Jacksonville is going nowhere fast. They're the worst team in their division. You know, the Steelers are trying to, you know, compete for the AFC, you know, maybe even possibly a bye week if they continue to win football games. We'll wait and see. The number's a little bit high for my liking, but I can I see where you're coming from. Revenge versus hopeless is a very good recipe. All right, uh, next we had the Baltimore, who are minus seven, four and five as a team. The hosts and the Bengals, who are now five and four. Uh, how we feel about this one? This one's interesting because we got quarterback uncertainty with Flacco banged up, potentially see the debut from Lamar Jackson. Um, this Cincinnati defense through six weeks, as I touched on a couple weeks ago, Nick Vigil was one of the best linebackers in the league. And since he's been out, it's been a different defense. Joined him was Vontez Burfitt, who's been the MVP of the defense for the last three seasons. Offensively, the two most valuable players um, are Tyler Eifert and A.J. Green. They will, you know, Eifert's out for the season. A.J. Green, I think, is already ruled out as well. Um, so offensively, this Cincinnati offense is in a horrific spot. Baltimore last year had the playoffs ripped away from them on a 4th and 16 play from Tyler Boyd, from Andy Dalton, and Baltimore hasn't forgot about it. They're at home where they're a much better team with one of the best home field advantages quietly in the entire NFL. If Whatever the total is on Cincinnati points, um, it's probably around 20 right now. I think it closes 17 and a half. Um, if they get to 13, I'll be shocked. Don't see how they uh, they do much offensively. Andy Dalton's the type of quarterback that he needs a support. We saw in 2015, when things are very good around him, he's a solid quarterback that can make throws in clean pockets to good receivers who get open. But when things around him are not good, he is an absolute disaster. He's mentally weak. He's not a leader. Marvin Lewis, I mean, his seat's so hot, it's it's comical. Um, he just brought in Huey headlines to help with the special teams in the defense. That that should be entertaining to watch. But if Lamar Jackson does make his debut, I actually, in a weird way, kind of like Baltimore even more. I, I think it's a spot where Lamar's a guy I'm high on for the future. I love the progress he made in his last year at Louisville. It's becoming a better passer. But this is a game where if he rushed for 150, wouldn't be surprised. Whatever his uh, prop is on rushing yards, um, blast the over. This Cincinnati defense is slow laterally. They cannot defend. You know, Alex Collins, you know, there's a there's a little study out there that these running backs with mobile quarterbacks, how much more, uh, you know, yards per rush they get. And I, I think Alex Collins is going to have a lot of success, as we saw from the running games from the New Orleans running backs a week ago. But... Baltimore's potentially my number one play of the week, and uh, I think it's going to get real, real ugly. And if Marvin Lewis was fired on Sunday night as the next coach fired, my shock meter would be zero. All right, let me get something clear here. You said that you're big on Lamar Jackson. I mean, I can see him in this game down the future. He's not an NFL quarterback. Let me get that very clear. Just like Baker Mayfield? 
Just like Baker Mayfield. Couldn't be more wrong. Okay. All right. He had one good game against Atlanta. We've seen their pass defense. You know, so we're going to dig into this game. You want to talk about a team that is, is going down quicker than any team in the NFL as a record position? That's the Cincinnati Bengals. This defense is awful. I played New Orleans last week because you did mention that, you know, the injuries between the linebackers and Virgil and Burfitt. This game they should have called at halftime against New Orleans last week. This was a complete embarrassment by Cincinnati. We debated, you know, your spot that you're all this, you know, you like to talk about spots and this kind of stuff. Well, last week the spot was good for Cincinnati against New Orleans, and they don't have any talent Yeah, and I AJ and, Green on the No, field. and I closed that conversation saying that talent trumps the spot. I agree with you 100%. Right. Well, here we go. Again. The old me would have bet Cincinnati in that game. Well, that's that. That was a smart move to stay off of it, and that's why New Orleans was found it way its way onto my card for the shakiest week that I had all year at two, two, and one with an easy winner. And I do agree with you in this game. Cincinnati's in for a long day on both sides of the ball. So long. I that's, mean, long. Like this ball's they're they're they're, they're going to be so ready to hit the showers by midway through the third quarter. I mean, how do you get back up after what happened last well, week? Well, you just don't have any talent with A.J. Green off of the field. This is a, yeah, who, who on offense is going to – literally, who on offense for Cincinnati scares you in this spot? There's nobody that can go down the middle of the field how, in this game. How are we not on Cincinnati team total under for the max? Well, I mean, like you said before, we're, we're, we're actually – this is uh, – you know, it is Tuesday, so the card won't be out till Wednesday. Actually, there's no line even up on this game, so we're making it seven. It could be a little bit higher. This is one – a million percent of teaser game with Baltimore if it's less than nine. There's no question about that. But I can see laying up to 10 in this game. Cincinnati is a team that is going nowhere fast. And I, I agree with you. Marvin Lewis is in a lot of trouble over there. Harbaugh is going to have a chip on his shoulder about they're talking about his job. I love Baltimore in this spot. Baltimore in every teaser and Baltimore for, for the max. Um, one, one little under. For the max? For the max. Um this will be one of the five largest wagers I've made all season. Um, Baltimore, when you look at so one, something I touched on was the bye weeks that I studied and how these teams kind of respond from them. And one of my favorites in a play last year I made was when Baltimore went to Green Bay. Very similar situation as they are here where they were one game under 500. You got two weeks to prepare. Baltimore's one and four against the spread their last five. After the hot start, they've been you know reeling here. You know, I had a bunch of key, like, you know, those type of names you don't quite know defensively but are important to the equation um, that have been banged up here recently. I assume with the bye week now they're all going to be back. But when you have a team that gets, you know, two weeks to refocus, you know, Pittsburgh's only got six wins. They're only two games back. Um, you know, they're still alive in the division. They're, they're an AFC wildcard type team that no one wants to face once they get in. But I expect to see a refocused Baltimore team behind a very electric crowd and, you know, take Cincinnati's face metaphorically, shove it in the dirt and step on it. All right, moving on, we have the 1-8 and eight winless on the road Raiders who are going to Arizona to face the Cardinals who are now 2-7 and seven with one home win. Arizona's giving up four in this one. How are we feeling? Yeah, I laid three on this game when it opened on Arizona, and I'm, I'm actually impressed with how they play with Kansas City. They played hard. They played physical. Uh, you know, Johnson seems to be back at 100%. You know, you mentioned last week that Rosen's getting more comfortable. They do have some pieces on defense with, um, you know, Peterson staying around, and the coach seems to be really engaged, you know, on a, on a possession-by-possession type of uh uh, mentality that he takes towards the team, and I think that's important with a young quarterback and a team that you know started off you know obviously a little bit uh, slower than they wanted to, but they're playing hard, and you know I mean they should be proud of that. Now on the other side of the football, we mentioned Oakland last week. This is a team that is absolutely you know lost. I mean they're you know they're offensively they're you know they lose two wide receivers again this week and Martavius Bryan who's going to be out and Jordy Nelson was you know knocked out of the game as well and these are these are guys that are you know have trouble getting on rosters you know i mean they're going to try and use Rashard they're going to try and mix in Doug Martin they'll probably try and get the tight end involved they'll probably have you know the quarterback get knocked around in this game. Their defense, you know, their defense doesn't seem like it's going to be, you know, anything to count on here. And I, I like Arizona, like minus four. I, this will probably make my card as well. Arizona probably should win this game by fourteen. 
Yeah, very similar to the Pittsburgh-Jacksonville situation where Oakland 0-5 against the spread their last five, Arizona 5-1-1 their last seven, and this is your buy low so high. Well, you know, in tank mode sports world of 2018 that, you know, we saw in baseball and, and NBA kind of carry over into the NFL, um, Oakland is in full-out tank mode. And when you have a team in tank mode, um, you know, and the public doesn't want to touch them and the pros and, and public are on the same side, this line could potentially close. You can't close. bet Oakland. Yeah, you can't. This line might close six or seven. I mean, um, you know, land three sharp. Wish I was on it. Um, yeah, Seals, is, Seals Jones is getting involved here, yeah, the no, tight end now. Oakland can't defend the tight end. You know, defensively, Arizona puts Pat Peterson on, I mean, what, the fake number one that Oakland's going to put out there. Shut down um, the side of the field. You, know, you put it, you, you know, you put the safety, you double-team Jared Cook, and all of a sudden you got Derek Carr dumping the ball into the ground six times per game. This guy. Yeah, you did know, you see him on fourth down? Unbelievable, the unbelievable. I mean, how can you not at least make a play? To me, the greatest mystery in sports currently with the NFL is how did Derek Carr do what he did two seasons ago? I, I, I almost want to go back and rewatch some of the tape to figure it out how, because after watching him play this season, I'd have no clue. Um, Oakland can't run. You know, Marshawn Lynch, as I touched on a couple weeks ago, he was the heart and soul. He was the heartbeat of this offense. Since he's been out, it's lifeless. You know, you get some dump-offs to Jalen Richard, you get a couple passes to Cook, and uh, you have a Derek Carr that's got 10 touchdowns and eight interceptions on the season, and it's just painful to watch. Um, Arizona. There's no heart either on the Very similar to Baltimore. Quietly one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. I think this defensive line will be fired up. You know, this is a team that has hope for the future. You got a guy like Larry Fitzgerald in the locker room that's going to have guys, you know, showing up, doing the right thing. Josh Rosen, a guy I'm high on for the future as well. With Seals Jones getting more involved in the offense and, and, and really the, the final and most important variable to this handicap. And it's very similar to why Cleveland should have been a play last week for me uh, on the card and in bed a lot heavier than I did is uh, – Byron Leftwich has taken over the offense, kind of similar to, to, to Kitchens has in Cleveland. And since Leftwich has taken over, David Johnson, Christian Kirk, it, and Seals Jones are starting to see targets. And before, um, this offense was trying to run the ball. Uh, Mike McCoy has no business in, in today's NFL, uh, stone cold moron. And David Johnson all of a sudden is smiling and having fun playing football again because he's got a chance to be the best all-around player in the league at certain times. You know, Gurley's kind of surpassed him. But, you know, last week, David Johnson, seven, eight catches, a touchdown, 60 yards, you know, and then he gets his 17 attempts against an Oakland defense that played with a ton of energy last week against the Chargers. The Chargers really struggled in that game offensively. Agreed. And it was, still was a 14-point game. So I think Until if— Until later if, on when the Raiders fell apart. Right. If we, see the, if we see the Oakland defense we saw against San Francisco two weeks ago, which is what I'm expecting— and we get Derek Carr back doing what he was doing. Cardinals um, roll. Cardinals score mid-30s. This game gets over the total finally. Six of the last nine Arizona games have gone under. Four of the last five Oakland games have gone under. Public will be on the under. Uh, over gets there. Arizona, mm, 35-18. to 18. Cool. Next we have the 3-6 and six Broncos who have one road win. They head to L.A. to face the 7-2 and two Chargers who are 3-1 and one at home. Denver is a seven-point dog in this one. Yeah, this one's interesting where nobody's going to be very enthusiastic to bet Denver in this spot, and sometimes those are the best bets is when no one wants to touch them. The Chargers have been playing well. They've, they're have they at 7-2 and two now after, uh, I think it was a 1-2 and two start. Right, I think six in a row maybe they've won now, but they are, uh, um, you know, they're rolling. Um, defensively, they're playing a lot better of late, even without Joey Bosa, without, he, without him making his debut yet. But to me, this is just a kind of a you know two divisional opponents that know each other pretty well. Denver pass defense is playing well, so you're going to kind of force the Chargers to run the ball more from a matchup perspective. And Denver, who is a good running team, um, they'll be playing against a Charger team who just lost Denzel Perryman for the year. Last year, Denzel Perryman was quietly. Um, one of the most valuable players in the NFL from a unit perspective where his splits on and off the field, Chargers gave up like two yards extra per rush when he wasn't on the field. If you remember that Saturday night game against Kansas City, he got hurt um, three minutes into the second half. I was pretty heavy on the Chargers, like way too much. And Hunter Henry scored a Why touchdown. Why would you do that? 
This was a season ago. I know, but you're getting yourself in over your head. That doesn't sound like it a was. Good a, idea. It was a terrible bet. Um, at the time, well, way too much is never a good idea. Th- the Chargers were. I think they'd rattled off like six in a row against the spread going into the game, and uh, I bought high on the Chargers, and they lose Perryman in the third quarter, and. From the, from the second Perryman came off the field, Kareem Hunt ran the ball down their throats for about nine yards of carry. And if Perryman's out, like he is for the season, all of a sudden things get real, real different. You know, we've seen this Rams team without any linebackers for them. When you don't have linebackers that are, you know, laterally quick, um, teams can expose you. And if Denver can run the ball here and control the clock, keep this Charger offense on the sidelines a little bit, this game could be a little bit more uh, dangerous than I know you and many others will be expecting. Well, that's well. You couldn't be any more wrong about the way I'm thinking because I like Denver in this game. I'll take the seven you're, in this game. Why is it up? <laughs> well, yeah, okay. I mean, I look at the Chargers, and yeah, you've mentioned they've been winning games, but they haven't been blowing teams out. They struggled actually with Oakland in this past game, which was a big surprise to me. You know, we go back a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago down into London. The Titans could have beat them in that game outright. And they haven't been rolling like they were early in the season to me. And you get, you know, we have met, you've mentioned in a couple of podcasts, you make a good point. Some of these these defenses come off the bye week and they play better football. I still think that the, you know, the Chargers are absolutely dynamic in all aspects of things. And they present a lot of problems with teams that don't know them. But Denver does know them. And Denver's going to be coming into this game fresh. You know, we talked about Demarius Thomas moving on into Houston. But, you know, I expect, you know, that Cortland Sutton to be involved in this game. And they also have a new tight end in Denver that had 10 catches in his last game, too. And he's going to be part of this offense as well, too. I think Denver will move the ball in this game. You mentioned that Perry's going to be out. That's, you know, Denzel, that's a that's a big loss for them, no question. The Chargers are playing confident, though. You know, if the Chargers come out, they are at home. I don't think it's the biggest home field advantage because of, you know, they're not into the stadium they want to be at yet. But they have a Super Bowl contending team here. But I'm taking seven with the, with Denver in this game. And it may make my card, it may not, but that's my side is Denver. Cool. Moving on, we got the 8-1 and one New Orleans Saints hosting up and down Eagles. Who are now uh, at 4-5. and five. Eagles getting a healthy nine in this one. How are we feeling? I'll take this one. You know, I mean, this is a game that, you know, looks like is a ton of points. You know, last week I took some futures on Philadelphia and I – had a little bit of a stomach problem in the middle of the week and almost used them as toilet paper because I think the Eagles are, are in big trouble now. You know, they lose uh, a huge injury, you know, in the uh, the game with Dallas that they lose in, you know, a spot that is going to get their season going. They lose Ronald Darby, who's, you know, not a shutdown corner, but he's somebody you can certainly depend on. And they've been having a lot of problems in the secondary before that. You know, they have absolutely nobody that you can consistently count on coming out of the backfield for Philadelphia. These running backs are, are very, you know, subpar below average. And every time we mention New Orleans, they get better. I mean, they're, you know, this is a teaser game, a thousand percent. The line's nine. I mean, there are some eight and a halfs out there. Tease it down. And how are you going to stop New Orleans' offense? I just don't see how you're going to stop this machine of a team. They have multiple quarterbacks now. I think that they just brought in Brandon Marshall. We'll see if he's going to play in the game. I don't think they need him. But New Orleans is just rolling in all aspects of the game. It's a lot of points in this game, but won't make my card on the spread. But I just think New Orleans is going to keep going. Yeah, with this one, you guys start to take a little trip down memory lane. So the Rams, they start the season off pretty nice against the spread. You know, a lot of fish out there just think the Rams are going to be their printing money team each week. And, uh, you know, they – get these inflated numbers and all of a sudden they're one five and one against the spread their last six because in the NFL when you're laying more than a touchdown it's hard to cover now the Saints they open the season against Tampa Bay 10 point favorite week two they're nine point favorites against Cleveland they don't cover either week since then they're seven no against the spread not a single line's been ahead of a touchdown so now all of a sudden back up over a touchdown so what do I think is going to happen Saints offense is going to go up and down the field. Nine's too many. Philly backdoors it. Philly's a team that's uh, two and six against the spread their last eight. This will be a game where you know, I'll be interested to see how the public reacts in this game because you know obviously they're going to probably gravitate toward, towards New Orleans, but they're not going to be too in love with laying more than a touchdown as they shouldn't be. But this is a game where I expect Carson Wentz with not much pressure on him. This is kind of a free roll. A ton role. of pressure. They're, they're, they may not make the playoffs. No, this is kind of a – What's know, their record? When, when you're a nine-point dog and, and you're going out there, I mean, 
I expect Wentz to put up some numbers in this game. This total can't be set high enough. You go through, as you touched on with this this Philadelphia defense, and it's not just Darby. Um, ACL out for the year. Their left cornerback, Jalen Mills, he's out for he's likely out for week 11. Their slot cornerback, Sidney Jones, hamstring. He's been out since week six. Their free safety, Rodney McClud, MCL out for the year. And their strong safety, Malcolm Jenkins, he's the only one that's still left. So they're playing with third stringers at multiple key positions in a passing league, going up against Drew Brees in this offense. That can't be stopped by anyone. So... I think the Saints flirt with 40. I think Wentz in this offense gets to about 35. Can't set this total high enough. I think it closes 56, kind of similar to the Rams game. And uh, if this game was 14-14 at the uh, beginning of the second quarter, like the Rams game was, wouldn't be shocked in the slightest. Uh, Not quite sure how you guard Zach Ertz. This guy's an absolute monster. Um, Nelson Aguilar's in a great spot. Alshon Jeffrey's out there competing, healthy. And, you know, this Philly team in the second half against Dallas started to get some little offensive, uh, you know, momentum. I think that carries over here against the Saints defense that's 28th against the pass. And we get a bona fide shootout. This is going to be a fun game to watch. And uh, couldn't agree more. Saints tease down to two and a half with some overs. And uh, Golden Tate coming in here, he should be a little more familiar. You know, last week they couldn't put him on the field because of, you know, verbiage and... 40 to 35 New Orleans and you uh you take Philly plus eight plus eight and a half New Orleans minus two and a half in the teasers and over 55 and you clean sweep all three all right man next we got Sunday night football fellas Vikings at Bears NFC North matchup first meeting between the two Chicago is a two and a half point favorite here how are we feeling go hot school yeah now this is going to be a game that I'll be excited to watch because one of my favorite things to do is look into the soul of young quarterbacks and figure out what I think of them as people, what I think they're going to be long-term, how they respond to certain situations. And Mitch Trubisky is a guy that I am not high on long-term. I think talent-wise, he you know checks all the boxes, but at the end of the day, sports to me is about 80% mental, and I don't think he's got it between the ears. This is a guy that put up a low Wonderlick score. Um, he's got his mom coming out, you know, telling people what to call him by his first name here in the draft situation. And these are just signs that I look to as kind of a mentally fragile guy. We saw it against the Green Bay early in the season this year where, you know, in the second half he folded like a lawn chair. Rodgers put some pressure on him and he's at airmail and throws by 15, 20 yards. We've seen Trubisky here be a fantasy darling in the last three weeks, going against, going up against some depleted defenses, running up scores, playing in very comfortable environments. And this Minnesota defense, they're going to put the pressure on. This is a statement divisional spot for them. Mike Zimmer against Mitch Trubisky is a mismatch. Minnesota's defense is starting to get healthy. Everson Griffin back. Um, Xavier Rhodes healthy at corner. The Chicago offense that does have some weapons, all of a sudden they're going to be put in a situation where they got to convert third and six against a defense last year in Minnesota that was the number one third down defense in I think the last like 15 seasons. So Minnesota's starting to really get things figured out here on defense. And let's not forget the Kirk Cousins addition in the offseason. This is a game where it really shows up. This Minnesota offensive line's been playing pretty well in pass protection after a slow start. Gotten a little bit healthier, a couple guys back. Going up against Khalil Mack in the Chicago front four, that's going to be the huge aspect in this game. And to me, where this game is ultimately decided by the fact that Steph Diggs and Adam Thielen can create separation against anybody in the league. So I think Minnesota gets out to a nice start coming out of their bye week. And Chicago, a team who's uh, you know really put up some points here of late, so all of a sudden going to realize that scoring points in the NFL it's not too easy. So you like Minnesota? I love Minnesota. Yeah, I like Minnesota as well here too. This will definitely be on my card. There's no question. Chicago's won their last three games. They beat Detroit, Buffalo at Buffalo, and the Jets at home. Right. So, so, so what? What? what how those are we supposed to be impressed? Those are considered crumbs. And they were all three depleted. Exactly. Now Minnesota, that I mentioned last week, that I, I, or I mean, excuse me, Philadelphia, I bought futures on. Minnesota's the team I'm going to start to take some futures on. This is a team and, and actually something that just hit me right now. We've seen this this uh, New England offense really struggle on the road now against Jacksonville, against Detroit, and then against Tennessee. 
What did New England's offense do yeah, at Chicago? They didn't even have Gronk, and they put up a ton. I agree Sco- with you. Scored 38, two special teams, defensive touchdowns, but nonetheless, Brady was doing what he wanted on this defense. Yeah, Minnesota here in this spot, and this is this is where you bring in a, a – you spend a lot of money on – When a, the limits raise up, this line closes one, right? Uh, I think the line probably closes probably three minus 120 on the Minnesota. I took three. Oh, oh, we're going – we're doing a six-point line move here? No, 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 no. Chicago's Maybe, minus I'm three. I'm sorry, Chicago will be favored minus three even money. It plus. stays minus three. The yeah, public will be enough it, on them? Yes, it's a Sunday night game, and they love the favorites. But going back to the point I was trying to make here, this is where you're really going to see the sh- you're, you're going to see a game like this for Kirk Cousins as a coming out party. Now, he comes over as a free agent. He plays, you know, some, you know, sparingly in the, the preseason, early in the season. They, they, the, the lineup's been juggled around with injuries, uh, you know, you're going to get Delvin Cook back here. So you play a bunch of games with Kirk Cousins in, in, you know, moving pieces. Now you get the bye week. You've got, you know, everybody's starting to come in and, in, in, you know, the team's going to come here. I expect during the bye week this team is going to come out and look like a top four to six team in the NFL the rest of the season. I'm buying high or low or whatever you want to call it, low on Minnesota to move forward. I think Minnesota is going to win this game by about 10 and Chicago's going to find out they're not the team they want to be, and Minnesota's the team they're going to have to be, be reckoned with. Betting on teams with championship DNA, championship talent, coming out of their bye week after slow starts to start the season is a very good recipe for making money. But I have a question for both of you, actually. Is it just me, or does is there like a vibe right now that Kirk Cousins kind of doesn't have pressure on him? Like it's It's almost like the media's like... He's kind of flying under the radar. Like coming into the season, there was, you know, talk about the money he was getting paid, but I just get this vibe like we're not going to see a nervous Kirk Cousins. It's kind of like a, how you like me now, Kirk Cousins. Well, he, you know, for me, I'll go first. Like I said before, you know, you're coming into a new offense. So, you know, you, you know, things are different. I think things are starting to, you know, slow down for Kirk Cousins. So I think that from a pressure perspective, I think he's feeling more comfortable in the offense and where I think he's going to flourish and thrive moving forward. And he's going to show that he has weapons on this team. I did mention Delvin Cook back healthy. He's going to be, you know, the second half of the season. These guys are dinged up. And I think Kirk Cousins is going to be moving forward, I'm telling you. Yeah, I feel, I feel like he just didn't have a lot of pressure just from simply moving. He went to a team that was already good enough with someone that was just a capable get-by quarterback in Bradford feel like Cousins is more talented, so he comes into a team with, I think the expectations were him for, for him to do just what he's doing, uh, succeed and make the team a little bit better than they already were. Yeah, and we saw when they played the Rams on that Thursday night game, isolated with the whole world watching, Kirk Cousins was as accurate as I've ever seen him in his whole career. So Cousins comes out, and uh, you know this Viking passing game is going to have to be the reason because this bear run defense is elite. Um, and this Minnesota offense struggles but to run Chicago's the ball. Chicago's offense is not elite. Not at all. You know what I mean? And this is, you know, this is a, a game that's going to really have a lot to say with who wins this division. And yeah, no, and, and I'm glad you said that because in addition to Minnesota, um, Chicago, five, five of the last six games have gone over the total. I like the under here as well. I think Chicago struggles to get to 17, and Minnesota gets, you know, a lead and does what a smart team will do, and that's don't turn the ball over. You know, try to milk the clock a little bit. And, uh, you know, is Dalvin Cook going to play in this game? Oh, yes, definitely. You, you would expect him to, right? Healthy. This is This is the game they've been, you know, because he sat out a couple of these games where he probably could have played. Rudolph will finally get involved with the pieces here. They're going to be able to pick up a lot. You know, the playbook's going to open up. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I really like Minnesota in this spot. Minnesota this 27, list. Chicago 16. Yeah, take the Vikings. I like it. It's a statement game for Chicago. They've See, they've, they've won the games that they're supposed to win this season. Oh, they didn't win at Miami when, when, when you know, Brock came into the game. They're yeah, that, was, that, was, that was a, a big meltdown. Game for but, both teams. but these last three games, like you mentioned, they're, they're supposed to win those games. Previous seasons, Bears, they haven't, they, they haven't shown up in those games. Like, yeah, but this is, yeah. A different, this is a different opponent. This is a, this is a this big game, different opponent. This game this is, is similar to the Green Bay Green game. Green Bay, uh, you know, obviously New England is just a, a juggernaut. Than Green Bay. This is the game where the Windy City – Decides on what their opinion is on Mitch Trubisky going forward. I don't I think, think it's, it's going to be I don't a bad think one. So I, I think no, primetime Sunday night game just show they're a better team. It's I agree. Just that simple. But but you, you know you talk to to one of the Bears fans you know Monday morning and 
how Mitch Trubisky performs in this game is going to this this is the barometer game, and and I think it's going to be a yeah, better. Yeah, but that's result. easy to say. You know, blame it on him. They don't have that many weapons on offense. You also need the well, new. Well, you also need the new coach. What more, what more does a young quarterback need? You also need the new coach to have. They got him a number one receiver. A good game. They as got well. him a He's tight end. He's not a number one. Allen Robinson's not a number one. Allen Robinson's been murdered. Multiple knee surgeries. He's not. A, he's not a number one. The guy had 1,500 yards with Blake Bortles. Yeah, know, he's a number he's had, one. He's had knee surgeries, man. He's not the fat, He doesn't have to speed off the line of scrimmage anymore. Disagree. All right. And last, we got Monday Night Football. Looks like, yeah, it looks like a home game now for the Rams, right? Um, yeah, they moved it to the L.A. Yeah, Yeah, Rams are 9-1. and one. They face the Chiefs, who are also 9-1. and one. Rams are a three-and-a-half-point favorite here. I'll take this. You know, I, you know, I've been on the Rams the last couple of weeks, and... Um, you know, my super contest uh, has, you know, has been paying for it because of it. And there's no question that the Rams' defense, to me, is a liability. And I understand Kansas City's defense against the run is terrible, and you have Todd Gurley in this game, and that's going to be a big factor. You know, if this game was in Mexico, there's no question I was taking Kansas City in this game. I think their offense at this point is better than the Rams' offense. You know, and I mentioned the defense. I think Kansas City's defense is getting better. You know, Justin Houston came back, got through the game healthy. I thought that was important against Arizona to come out with a win, get a little playing time for him, and I think he'll factor, you know, moving forward. I don't know if Eric Berry will be back in this game. You know, they're going to need him. There's no question that the Rams took a big hit, in my mind, with Cooper Cup being knocked out for the year with the, the knee injury. I think that, you know, they should be able to put up points in this game with the Rams, but there's no way I'm going to lay anything more than a field goal in this game. I think Kansas City could torch them in this game. I think Kansas City could move up and down the field easier than the Rams in this game. I think Mahomes is, you know, playing outstanding. I think that, you know, they're going to have trouble with Kelsey in this game. You have Tyreek Hill, who's explosive. They sat Sammy Watkins out last week to get him ready for this game. I'm, you know, I really like Kansas City the way the direction they're going right now. And the Rams, I'm a little bit worried about them, you know, on the defensive end. I mean, I favored, you know, Kansas City in this game, no question, taking plus three and a half points. Yeah, no, the, so the last time Kansas City played in the isolated primetime game, the line was three and a half as well. And in that game, the public was on minute, was on New England. And I think this time it will be the complete opposite I think we see 65% of the tickets on Kansas City in this game. A lot of Rams backers with sour taste in their mouth after the 1-5-1 and six, one, five and one against the spread run. Um, this is a game where Todd Gurley and this offense against this Kansas City run defense is going to be a field day. Now, Kansas City offensively obviously is dangerous. Think this game gets over the total. Three of the last five Ram games have gone under. Somehow, quietly, five of the last seven Kansas City games have gone under the total. This is the highest total, I think, in NFL history, 63.5. Still don't think it's high enough. This game is breaking the algorithm from an offensive output situation. To me, the biggest difference is the Kansas City defense doesn't have Aaron Donald and the Rams does. Now, Kansas City's going to have some... You know, they're going to score points. They're going to get to 30 in this game. But I think the Rams get to 40. Gurley um, might run for 200 in this game. The last time we saw a elite offense at home against this Kansas City defense, it was New England, and they scored 43. I think the Rams get to about somewhere between 40 and 44. So 41, 43, somewhere in that range. Um, Kansas City flirts with the low 30s, 41-31 type of game. Um, the Rams is the right side, and uh, we're going to learn a lot about this Kansas City team, and we're going to learn a lot about Patrick Mahomes. And you know, he's going to have to play perfect in this game. If oh, the, I disagree. If this game comes down to the wire, I think Kareem Hunt's going to have a huge game. No, there's no question. He I should. think that Kansas City is going to move the ball easier in this game than the Rams. I agree with you, Todd Gurley would be a big factor. Kansas City, 32nd against the run. Yeah, but the no, LA Rams 29. So you, yes, you have two teams that are explosive. Okay, both teams are going to score, as you mentioned. There's no question that both teams are going to score. Both teams are going to get up and down the field. It's going to come down to red zone. It's going to come down. If to you are right about goals. Kansas City, it's going to be because of this. So Andy Reid is a smart boy. The team that has given the Rams fits in the last month and a half, twice now, is Seattle. Well, what does Seattle do? They play a college type offense where they got Russell in the. Uh, 
shotgun. They let the running backs kind of get to the edges and they expose them from their linebacker lack of speed, you know, similar to an issue that New England has. And if you put Mah- I mean, we've seen Mahomes flat out just, you know, third and short run the, run well, the option Mahomes this can season. Make plays that no other play in the league can, including Aaron Rodgers. You know, from a quarterback perspective, Patrick Mahomes is, is better than Jared Goff, and it's not close. But from a system perspective, um, I don't see how the Rams get – this game means more to the I Rams. I think the bigger plays come out of Kansas City's offense in this game, and you're getting more than three-and-a-half points. Now, you mentioned this game has moved to the Coliseum for the home field advantage. Listen, there's been games played there that opposing teams have more fans in the – you know, and this is one of the best teams in the league. That's a great point. Kansas, they, Kansas they City, Kansas City has a lot of people that be that traveling. work in LA. Yeah, this Th- this could be a, this could be a low key um, home field game for Kansas City. It's a great point. Um, the Rams just don't have a home field advantage. You know, I mean, until they get into their new stadium, and you know, and and one thing with the Rams between the the playoff game against the Falcons and the game against the Saints, this is a confidence building spot for the Rams because when the bright lights have been on here of late. This is a team that's not quite sure yet. Like sometimes you got to do it before you believe it. And I think with the Rams, this this game is just so huge for for their chances to win a Super Bowl. I don't like they their must defense. take care of business in this like game. I don't like their defense. You know, if Marcus Peters keeps doing what he's been doing, oh, it's going to be a long day. Tyreek Hill. Whew. Yeah, this he, Kansas City's going to score too much in this game and easier. I'd like Kansas City. All right, fellas, good conversation. Let's go ahead and uh, give people, you guys got some bets of the week? No, we want yours first. I actually, uh, I actually like Seattle, if, it's, uh, if I could try to find it at, if it's still at two and a half. Uh, well, you can get three. I, I bought a bunch of that early. Yeah, I like, I like Seattle. You, or, I'm sorry, so Seattle minus two and a half? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're yeah. taking the home team Thursday night? I will. I will. Okay, I'll, I'll ride I hear with, you. I'll ride with them. Um, I, I like that. I'm going to, you know, I, I've ticked off enough Tennessee fans this, this year, so I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go with the Colts, minus two. I don't think that that's enough points. I think the Colts are going to continue to move the ball on offense. I don't think Tennessee will be able to keep them up, even though I'm starting to respect them more. Colts are my play of the week. Um, for my play of the week, I'm going to, uh, from, a, from a bet perspective, it's going to be Cincinnati team total under. But from a uh, super contest perspective, I'll take Baltimore as well against the spread. Um, normally don't do this, but I'll give you guys my six that I'm, that I'm thinking of here. Uh, Rams, Ravens, Vikings, Broncos, Steelers, Colts. Those are the six in my conversation. I haven't been loving these NFL cards from a side perspective here for the last couple weeks, but this one is a little bit different. Get out your checkbooks for this week because um, there's going to be some money in the air. Cool. All right. It's been a good session, good conversation. Hopefully we could touch some numbers. Um, We'll see you guys next week. Take it easy. Let's run pure.